Okay, hello. This is Inyash and Steven again. Hi. <laughs> we uh, have recorded this after the rest of this episode because we went and rushed the Unpunching Nazis episode last week really quickly, a few days after it happened. And the episode that you just heard was recorded before that. So we've gotten some listener feedback and we wanted to put it on the air while it's still somewhat relevant. So we are recording the feedback to that episode right now and putting it at the end of this episode while someone still potentially cares about it. That sounds about right. Uh, Should I start? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So uh, let's go with Not Without Incident. Not Without Incident said, While I agree with a lot of your ambivalence about Nazi punching, I think there are two important points that weren't really addressed. First, Stephen mentioned this in passing, but the idea that the state protects against violence, also called the state monopoly on violence, doesn't really apply to some oppressed people. In other words, if you already feel the state isn't going to punish violence done against you or a group you support, there really isn't any reason not to punch Nazis from a societal norm standpoint. There is even an argument, put forth most famously recently in the book Ghetto Side, that this lack of any serious state response to violence in poor black communities is the primary cause of the high murder rate. And uh, we did we did briefly mention that, as he said, but I think that is a very good point, and we should have probably hammered on it a bit more. I think you mentioned the state monopoly on violence, not me. But okay. In any case, whoever said it during the episode, yeah, we had we kind of glazed past that. I'm not sure if I talked about this in a previous episode, but so I mentioned previously that uh, Melissa has had that same experience with the police, where the police are not anyone you ever call. You do not want them involved in anything because they will only make things worse. And in cultures and societies like that, where I mean, especially in there are places in the U.S. where the police you can't expect them to be on your side. And in in those situations, I totally understand why someone would go to taking uh, enforcement of those things into their own hands. I still think it's a bad idea and that it would be better to have a functioning police system. But given that there's a lot of places in the U.S. where we don't have one, um, I kind of see their their point a bit. But on the other hand, the guy that punched him looked to be, you know, a white kid in downtown New York. I'm I mean, not sure he has that Maybe excuse. he made the trip. Okay. But, I mean, the other thing to consider, too, is that that, that sounds like a good reason why you need to handle, like, life conflict sort of internally without getting the 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 police involved mm-hmm. that's not that's not a great reason for preemptively attacking you know people who say stupid things on the street right mm-hmm. did you hear that uh cause i know you listen to sam harris a lot did you uh hear that interview when sam harris talked with a uh a leader from the black community uh i don't remember who it was now but sam harris made the point like what is wrong with with these people who if someone steps on their shoes and scuffs them a bit that they resort right away to violence and and possibly even killing each other about it and he said sam harris you are lucky to live in a society where you can simply accept that that's no big deal and not make a thing out of it Whereas uh, some of these young men, if they don't make a thing out of it, then their honor is at stake. They could be targeted for violent crimes by other people because they're seen as weaklings. And it's a self-preservation mechanism to keep up those appearances of being a badass. And it sucks for them because they don't have a choice. They have to respond with violence and get offensive and say, you've got to apologize to me or else their life gets really shitty. Yeah, the guy painted a very uh, good picture. His name was Glenn C. Lowry. Lowry. And the episode was uh, Racism and Violence in America. And it was, a, it was a good conversation. I think it's one that was fruitful for both of them and for, for me to listen to as well. Yeah. It did sort of paint that picture, right? Where Glenn was giving the, the example of, you know, you're on the bus and the guy scrapes your boots or whatever. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, most people don't care about. But then if you don't say anything, well, then you're a pussy. His mm-hmm. word's not mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then you've got to step up. And now there's now there's a beef. And now you don't know how crazy this guy is. You can't go to the police and be like, hey, so this scary guy said he's going to kill me, but he hasn't done anything yet. So, like, it is really on you to handle. 
That is reality for a lot of people. And you're right. The police don't aren't the, the go-to resource for them that we wish they would be. And this was one of those episodes. I mean, Sam Harris gets a lot of crap. And I think in some cases, deservedly so. But one of the things I love about him is that he is always willing to sit down and reasonably talk through things. I've had situations on the, specifically on the punching Nazi things with Facebook, where there's some people get so emotionally invested and it's just not something you can talk about at all with them, which is fine. There's some subjects I can't talk about because I get too emotional. But Sam Harris like sits and talks and listens and he's very thoughtful about everything. And by the end of the episode, it sounded like he had come around a bit and, uh, and changed his view. And I was like, I have more respect for, you know, Sam Harris. Yeah, he, he's willing to listen. He updates a lot, and that's yeah. that's one of the things I like about his his approach. Recently, he got on board and he updated to the uh, what I consider the the appropriate level of concern with like AI risk. Mm. And so he's been talking about that a lot lately. Completely unrelated to all this, but just talking about a big update. Should we go on to his second point? Yeah, why not? Not without incident. Second point is I think there's a much more direct way that pro-Nazi speech and alt-right or even mainstream conservative speech in the U.S. is more violent than you all acknowledged. He says 45,000 Americans die every year due to lack of access to health care. 200,000 Americans die prematurely from air pollution. And he goes on to give, you know, several other statistics about how policy leads to death. And he says he can't vouch for how reliable any of these numbers are individually, but I think it's reasonable to argue that any speech espousing an extreme right-wing ideology is violent and lethal in a completely literal sense. And that, that is very much a, a thing that I have a strong aversion to, because he is literally citing examples of difference in uh, opinion on policy. He's talking about uh, pollution policy and, and healthcare policy, which are both very complicated uh, topics with many other effects. And he, he's at this point saying that a difference in idea on pollution regulation or a, a difference of opinion on basically government regulation is violent and lethal, and therefore uh, a violent response is justified. And I think that is exactly the opposite of what we want. It sounds like when someone says that disputes over healthcare are violent and lethal in a completely literal sense, that sounds like an excuse to kill and maim people who are on the other side of you, uh, on the other side politically. And that is, I just, that is exactly where I don't want to go. I think there's a, an important distinction to be made between like systematic, you know, if it works out to where certain ways hospital regulations are run or something tend to disenfranchise, say, homeless people, homeless people tend to be of certain demographics that, and I mean, there might be historical reasons why that would end up being the case. And you could make, there could be a case made that's quite plausible that it's it's due to a history of, of segregation and discrimination and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between stabilizing and turfing a homeless person who walks into your ER and going to the street and hitting them in the face until they're bleeding to death, right? So, like, one is lethal and violent in a completely literal sense. The other one is just like, well, I mean, our hands are tied. You know, the, the hospital staff, any of them might wish that they could keep them around and, and do everything they could to make them, you know, fully healthy again. But that's just, just not in the cards for working in that system, right? Yeah. But I guess if you're going to equate that and running out there and hitting that person in the face with a brick... Like, I think that you're missing something pretty important, right? Or am I misreading that? To no, be I, fair... I mean, I, I think that's exactly the point, that yes, weapon, laws are weapons of mass destruction. You can kill far more people with laws than you can by going out and individually stabbing someone. But on the other hand, uh, at this point, he's making the case for violence of liberals versus conservatives, Democrats versus Republicans. And I think a civil war is much worse. <laughs> At some point, the alternative of resorting to violence to enact your favorite policies is worse than, than simply accepting some poor policies. But more to the point, once you are not talking,
talking anymore and fighting instead, you're no longer allowing your opinion of the world to be changed by evidence and words. You, it is now being enforced by, by guns and weapons. And so if you're wrong about something, there's no way to find that out. You're, you're going to hurt the person who disagrees with you. And if he disagree, disagrees with you for a good reason, you'll never know. Yeah. I mean, I think once you're talking about settling things with violence, things have gotten pretty out of hand, right? Uh, to be fair, Not That Incident did say with the last sentence in that post, however, I'm not sure how well this holds up to scrutiny or if violence is the correct response, even if you accept everything above. Yes. And I mean, just pragmatically, even if you thought that violence was the correct response, and you are talking about possibly violence between, you know, anyone who's liberal and anyone who's conservative, well, one of those part, one of those groups tends to be more in favor of having lots of guns. So mm-hmm. uh, you can you can punch them all you want. But if, if, if it's gonna, if they're gonna jump on the war bandwagon with you uh, from from the other side, they're I'm not sure if this is a war you can win, so maybe talking it out would be would be easier. I think I'm taking this too lightly. Um, there was one other really good the thing uh, thing they brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So go on with uh, how he responded to me about that. Yeah. So one obvious place to draw the line to is violent resistance to politics that are explicitly murderous, but I think that is clearly too passive. Do you agree that violence would have been acceptable in response to Jackson's use of the Indian Removal Act in in parentheses the Trail of Tears, even though that policy was not intended intended to be lethal? I thought that was a bit of a head scratcher, and I I've been giving that some thoughts. Like other examples might be like Japanese internment camps in the 1940s, right? Uh-huh. Uh would, would it have been okay to violently oppose those? And I think it probably would have. I think it would have. I yeah. mean, so like the the implicit, well, and in in the Indian Removal Act, explicit part of the decision there was that like, look, we're gonna tell them to move, and if they don't, well, we're gonna make them, mm-hmm. right? When you're we're talking about making people do things, you're talking about coercing them with violence or threats, right? Or plausible threats of violence. So yeah, I think. I mean, I don't want to equate the Trail of Tears or Japanese internment camps to what, I mean, I guess what exactly are we equating it to? The Is he talking about the, the politics, or I guess the uh, the statistics about, you well, know? Well, he's saying at some point the laws are evil, and where do we draw that line between bad pollution regulation and having someone taken out of their home and shipped off to a internment camp? I mean, explicit or poorly veiled, implicit, targeted discrimination? Is yeah. That a, is that a fair line? It's like we could say, you know, everybody... Well, uh, so here's what I would consider kind of an edge case, the redlining that they did in the... God, I don't even know what decade it was now. Decade before I was born, but not very much before it. Uh, it was, uh, they had maps of cities, and there were neighborhoods that they would outline in red, which is where the term redlining came from. And they're like, in these neighborhoods, you can sell houses to black people, and in these neighborhoods, you can't. And that was not an explicit law anywhere, but it was policy, and uh, real estate agents and realtors knew about it. And when black families tried to buy houses in these other neighborhoods, they were not allowed to. And that was a way of really not only socially uh, segregating people, but making sure that the assets that black people had were less valued. They lost a lot of wealth by being put into uh, worse neighborhoods. And it has led to a lot of problems, both socially and... and Economically? Yeah, economically. And I don't know, is that a thing that... It, it, it is unjust enough that it feels like something that you should maybe be able to respond to with violence, but what would you do? Like, punch a bureaucrat in the face? That's sort of what I was thinking about. And I mean, so I get, there's a very, I think there's a difference between saying there's an understandable outlet, or there's an understandable situation where someone might want to react to the violence, versus saying violence is the ideal response. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, if you're if you're a victimized black family being redlined here and screwed into a bad neighborhood, I don't think the correct response would be punching a realtor in the face. 
they're just doing their job. And I mean, that's not that's not a great defense, but a better defense would be it's not like it's their decision. But do to, you to, punch do you punch a lawmaker in the face who voted for that? I mean, th- that almost makes more sense to me. It could be that the realtor is personally against it. They're just like, well, I mean, I'm making a living and I'm doing my best to try and, you know, skirt it a little bit. From, I mean, that's being too charitable. But what if there was say, a, like a journalist who was was printing a lot of articles about how this is a great idea because the races should be kept separate? Yeah, that I mean, that sort of makes sense. I mean, to punch them then or to I, not punch them? I guess I could see I could mo- I'm, I'd be more sympathetic to punching that person over the realtor who's just doing you know what they have to do. Mm. You know, it's not like, again, it's like the doctor or it's like the ER docs kicking somebody to the curb after they're stabilized. Yeah. It's, it's not like they're mean. Mm-hmm. It's not that that. It's not like they lack compassion. I mean, they're, they're ER doctors. They're probably not a bunch of assholes, right? You don't get into that line of work if you hate people. But well, because I think Richard Spencer is more closer to the the journalist. Yeah, he's he's more of a popularizer. But I don't know if that would I don't know if that would still be I don't know. It's 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 a difficult situation. I don't think that I would respond with violence just because I still think the better option would be to take this thing to the public and point out the injustice and work for laws or take it through the courts and hope that you get a good lawyer and that society is swinging more towards your way rather than trying to fight it out. And if it's not, you know, if they're not swinging your way and things do suck, I mean, so this is kind of the thing, and I'm not really sure how to pin this down, but I do think that there might be circumstances where an undesirable or the kind of thing that you shouldn't advocate is a is appropriate. This might be one of those circumstances where I wouldn't say, yeah, you should go hit him. But, you know, if, if someone does hit Richard Spencer in the face, it's like, well, I'm not going to look super hard to try and find you and put you in jail, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not going to say people should go out there and hit him. But in this particular case, it's like, this could be one of those... I'm trying to think of a good analogy, and unfortunately, the only one I can think of is terrible. So <laughs> I think they should um, treat it just as much as the same as they would treat any other assault like that. Well, like once I you're mean, selectively enforcing the laws, you're basically making things legal. It's true, and that so the, I, I do see where that's obviously the uh, a terrible slide into vigilante violence. But I don't, I don't know. This it's it's complicated, and I'm not a political scientist. There could be great reasons why you know. I mean, and there might be a thousand historical examples where this exact kind of of rebellion has shifted the the tides of history. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that's that would be a compelling point against uh, my being tacitly against it. I think the Trail of Tears is an interesting example because the Native Americans had basically already lost the war, right? Their their option was to do what he said or be wiped out by the army. And at that point, it comes down to, is it worth being wiped out in order to inflict casualties on the people doing this to you? I mean, that yeah, that, that sounds like a completely different topic and some might come down one way or another, right? Yeah. That And so that doesn't really quite, it's not quite analogous to the modern day situation because we all, I mean, unless we're talking about getting the military involved, mm-hmm. we all have access to basically the same weapons. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it's just going to be a group, of, a group of thugs, you know, with Nazi, with swastikas versus a group of people without swastika, you know, a bunch of victims, but they all have, you know whatever guns you can buy i mean that's that's going to be a fairly even fight it's not like you know you've got uh it's not like it was with the trail of tears right yeah although i'm not sure how, what exactly went down historically with the japanese internment camps i mean presumably everybody could go buy munitions but it was just a ma- oh, i guess that was you know full-on military intervention right yeah so that is an interesting case though yeah i guess i don't think we're anywhere near where we were certainly not with the trail of tears where everyone's talking about look, get out or we're going to drag your broken body out. Or, you know, with the Japanese internment camps, I think society in general is swinging way away from those things. I don't think we'll ever swing that far back into them. It could be that we're, that parts of society are swinging back a little bit. And that's why people like Spencer are getting platforms and shit. Mm. But I don't think, uh, at least in my perspective, that we're nearly as badly off as we were a century ago. Speaking of Spencer, there was another comment I wanted to just make really quick. I was going to reply on Reddit, but it's a 
it's something that I've heard elsewhere too. Can, so, can we skip to that right after one? If we finish up, not without yeah, incident? Yeah, yeah, please. Sorry. Okay, okay. Not without incident ended that with uh, another example might be the disproportionate number of black and mentally ill people executed in the U.S. Unlike healthcare laws, this is state-sanctioned killing that the majority of Americans favor carried out only after due process. He does have a very good point. And um, he says, although the number of people actually killed isn't huge, how do you feel about violent resistance specifically to the death penalty? And... I kind of like that he brought that up because I personally hate the death penalty and I think it is a monstrous injustice and there should be no such thing. But I do not violently resist the death penalty. So I guess I've made my, I have cast my vote in that particular case that despite how bad I think it is, I think more violence to, to stop it is, is even worse. I mean, I think also it's just pragmatically, like if you're, tra- if you're talking about trying to maximize the amount of good you can do throughout your life, how many judges could you beat up before you get thrown in prison? You know, mm-hmm. two or three. So, I mean, if you're just, if you're breaking into their houses and, and I mean, unless you're talking about killing them, if you're just going to run in there and beat them up and say, you shouldn't be sen- sentencing people to, to death penalty. And I don't think my doing that would have any effect on how society views the death penalty. Probably not. So, I mean, you could you could join an advocacy group that, like, um, oh, what's that amazing one that does uh, investigations in, like, decade-old cases with DNA and stuff? Oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. We'll find it. The something project. Yeah. The Innocence Project? Something like that. Anyway, there are organizations that, if, you're, if your goal is to, is to minimize people killed by the death penalty, you're better off giving money or, or volunteering for one of these organizations than you would be just, again, killing judges, right? Mm-hmm. Or whoever it is that you think is responsible voters maybe i mean so i i'm not in favor of the death penalty either but there doesn't be a difference between saying look society as a whole thinks that death penalty is okay and we're going to kill you know a handful of, of serial murderers every year versus and a lot of perfectly innocent people yeah some some of perfectly innocent people uh again i'm not for this but i'm just saying that there seems to be a difference between saying we're going to kill people after due process after they've been in court even if it even if, the, if it's kangaroo court bullshit there's there's something more desirable about going through the system and deciding on it that way rather than saying you know what i'm going to be the arbiter me personally i'm not talking to anybody and i'm going to go out and, and kill people yeah. or whatever your whatever form of violent resistance takes like we talked about on the nazi punching episode there was that guy at university of washington who got shot and this was like a bernie campaigner right so you have to be willing to accept false positives you know whether i guess you're going through due process and death penalty or if you're gonna go out for vigilante right i guess in the least convenient possible world what if it was the case that uh all the laws are exactly as they are right now for white people but if you were a black person and you were found guilty of a law it was the death penalty yeah or found guilty of breaking the law and it doesn't matter what law it is like you uh you knocked over a 7-eleven you stole a few hundred dollars well you're found guilty death penalty for you at that point do we have violent resistance yeah i mean that sounds like a much more supportable case <laughs> right you know so again we're like it's the kind of thing like at what level of injustice are you willing to take up arms yeah and certainly i think that again like you said if, any, if it's anything that's explicitly discriminatory again i guess i'm also wondering who to be violent against i mean it could just be that by being violent you're raising the alarm and mm-hmm. somebody somewhere will notice and somebody you know will start passing laws or you know like gandhi did that but with the with the opposite of violence yeah just in general doing destruction to businesses and government buildings and hoping that the government eventually says we don't want any more of this let's change the law so people stop rioting i mean i i could see a case for that to the extent that i'm against this it's it's pretty softly but it's to the extent it is in in principle i'm against it but in practice things get a lot muckier right but i'm I mean, not, that I'm, is that is the the argument i've seen that if you gum up the works enough the system reacts to having its works gummed up that badly yeah and I mean, I guess then it just it's a matter of being tactful, right? Like is punching individuals in the street really gumming up the system? No. If anything, it's making this guy famous as hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, so one of the commenters, um, the great Nick, 
said that punching Richard Spencer is probably a bad thing, but he said that he'll appear in public less because of this punch, which means that he'll uh, he'll appear on media less and have influence over fewer people. Um, I kind of disagree completely at that point. I don't think I'm the only person who would never have heard of Richard Spencer if it wasn't for this incident. And then we went to check out his website. His site's got clicks. Somebody got ad revenue. It, this gave him a lot of press. Yeah, and you don't you don't have to leave your house to get press. There's a if you have a computer in your house or if a journalist is willing to come to your house, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a great article about someone who worked with. Uh, do you remember Tucker Max? No. Tucker Max was a raging douchehole who uh, on internet would just say crazy misogynist things and came out with a book about basically how awesome it is to be a misogynist. And they had almost no revenue for advertising, so they bought a few really just extremely sexist, awful ads in the subway system of, I think, Chicago? Or the bus system of Chicago? I don't know. And they immediately got censored and removed, and the city government said, hey, we're sorry about this. But they got massive media coverage for putting those up. And then for getting them pulled, and they had tons of people protesting them, and they—I mean—it went to number one New York Times bestseller because so many people heard about it. And even if 99.5% of people are decent people and think, "Oh, this is awful," that tiny small fraction who would have never heard of him are like, "Oh, hey, this guy. This sounds funny, or this sounds cool. Let's read this." So it is. He the I believe the name of the article is "I wrote the book on outrage marketing or whatever," and you should stop playing into these people's hands. And I think it's a good point that a lot of this is just trying to get attention by getting the outrage and it is it is counterproductive when we give them all this press i think so too and that's that's sort of where we came down on the episode on how to deal with these people you know if it's a small enough minority like this i feel like it's completely fine just to completely ignore them yeah. i think and the nazi puncher did more for their cause than richard spencer has watch it was an inside thing <laughs> and the guy having it in front of a camera when he got hit you know mm. i'm not really that conspiratorially minded but if i was that's exactly the kind of thing i would orchestrate right mm-hmm. um i didn't so. want to say uh reading great rick's comment uh what his his words were punching richard spencer probably is also a bad thing but he said that he will appear in public less because of the punch which means that he'll appear less on media and influence fewer people just something to think about and yes, that is exactly what I was thinking about when I wanted to talk about this. And it is the reason that I wanted to put together that episode. Because what you're basically saying is, just to think about, the use of terror made someone terrorized and shut up their speech. And I'm like, yes, that is exactly what I don't want. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is sort of where I came down on the episode. Like, I'm not I'm not in favor of, of this guy being attacked. But like I said, part of me feels like the sun shines a little brighter every time a Nazi gets his nose broken. But... <laughs> I, I, that's not the kind of thing. That's not the kind of thing I want to endorse. But if it's the kind of thing that becomes necessary, that's fine. And I'm not really. That's a pretty wishy-washy position, yeah. and I, it's not very actionable. And it, it could put me on the wrong side if things do get really out of hand. I might be one of the last people on board to pick up a gun and go start shooting people or whatever. Again, form your your violent resistance wants to take. I really don't think just punching these people is going to make any difference. You're going to make them martyrs. You're going to put them. You know, if the numbers go up, all these people are going to be on TV. And you know, I, I so I guess I'm not really sure where we're supposed to go with this uh do you want to read matt's counter argument to us or should i read it matt wrote us an email and he had a counter argument for us which is uh, a thing that we like on this episode on in in general in our spheres so matt says the reason there are only 300 of them uh by of them he means the people who attended richard spencer's conference the kind of white supremacists that were on that video the reason there are only 300 of them is because of the extreme cost you incur for publicly expressing that belief, including being punched on the street. 
Have you been on the internet lately? It's swarming with people capable of being Nazis. Every racist YouTube commenter is a future Nazi waiting for a movement to exist so he can come outside. To the extent that Trump is that movement, it's the perfect time to get busy punching. The thing about revolutions is that they never work if you can see them coming. Because they're a total reversal of power, you can't announce you're coming or the movement will be squelched by the powerful faction you're looking to overthrow. This is an evolutionary selection pressure acting on revolutionaries where the only ones that ever occur seem to come out of nowhere. So the fact that you can't imagine a fascist revolution in America isn't evidence that there won't be one. And he goes on to cite a number of stats showing that very popular white supremacist websites such as Stormfront have as many as 100,000 visitors a month. And obviously not all of them are white supremacists, but uh, he goes on to show that there's a, a organization with like tens of thousands of members uh, registered online, which is also white supremacist, and tries to make the case that there's a much larger presence of white supremacists than we believe. They're just underground right now. And he ends with... Uh, not ends with, but he also mentions, You said it was too late to respond with violence by the time the government was on the side of the fascists. So here's a terrifying bit of recent news from leaked FBI documents. And he linked us to an article, which I will link in the description, that says the FBI has been investigating white supremacists' infiltration of law enforcement. Which, apparently, white supremacists have been getting jobs as police officers in various locales around the, the, the U.S. and slowly trying to infiltrate them. Which kind of makes the whole laws thing a bit moot, because they could selectively enforce only the laws that they like. So I didn't read the, the attached link there, but is it saying that a shady organization of secret white supremacists has made the conscious decision to infiltrate the police in other areas of government, or that some police officers happen to be white supremacists? Both. Okay. Well, the first one's scarier. Right. I mean, you're going to get some percentage of assholes in every discipline, right? Mm -hmm. um, or at least most every discipline. But if they're making the concerted effort to sneak in for this expressed reason, that is uh, a little disconcerting. I don't really know, again, what the appropriate response is. I mean, if you punch a cop, it doesn't end well for you. No. And certainly, I guess, I'm always concerned about false positives. I think he wants us to be worried that there are a lot more white supremacists that we were saying that there were, and that they're you know, kind of underground and, and building slowly. Yeah. And some of these are, are stronger cases for that. I mean, YouTube commenters, I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, what was it last year, or the year before where the hashtag kill all white men was super popular. And that was like, you know, among like college campus girls. So like, I think that your average internet Nazi is going to just be some 15 year old sharing frog memes. It's not going to be some person who actually has an actionable plan or wants to go out and do violence. They just think they're being edgy and they're entering puberty. But like I said, that, that's, that's the case for some of these weak ones of YouTube comments. And I think uh, Matt's Matt's contention is that punching the Nazis in public makes them less likely for people to want to join the edgy group and be and be vocal in public about it. I don't know if I agree with him, but I think that's what he's trying to say. Whereas yeah. I'm kind of more of the opinion that the more you punch them, the more the edgelords are going to want to join that group and be like, look at how edgy I am. Yeah, and I mean, if you can say, again, too, from, I imagine from their position, if you're out there getting attacked for these beliefs, that just helps you win your oppression Olympics that you're trying to, to enter into and saying, look, we're so marginalized that we're the only ones in the country that people are being violent against etc like again i don't believe that hmm. but i think that's the kind of thing that they're going to tell themselves in their internal narratives that's going to make them uh i guess what i'm getting at is i don't think that's going to slow them down if anything it'll speed them up and you know then when somebody goes to, goes all the way and starts killing these people then you're going to be making martyrs and i think that's going to get out of control pretty quick but that said the intercept article here is is uh 
worrisome. <laughs> so that, that's a nice way to put it. So there, there, there likely may be a bigger problem here than, than I was originally given to think. So thank you for, for enlightening me. And in fairness, I didn't research that article very in depth. The FBI later walked back from that investigation and apologized for it, but it's not clear if that's because they had a lot of political pressure to do that. Yeah. So that, I mean, it sucks because if you do say that and you stop there, then you could say, oh, well, that's just evidence of the, how high this conspiracy goes or somebody greased some palms. But it's also consistent with like, sorry, we were actually wrong. Right. So I guess it maybe doesn't stand alone to make a case, but it might be evidence. I, I mean, these things happen all the time, too, where the IRS was super into investigating uh, Operation Snowball with um, the Church of Scientology. Hmm. And then they were threatened with just thousands of lawsuits and like, you know what? Never mind. Sorry. Bye. And so, I mean, sometimes that is just enough to push people back, even when you're right. Yeah. So something to think about. Um, I don't know necessarily if, and I'm I'm willing to grant everything that here that uh, Matt wrote in is true. I still don't know if hitting the people is the appropriate way to do it. I mean, maybe it's actually voting. Maybe it's going through the door, getting signatures to put forward amendment or amendments or uh, something. I wonder if there's some way in the system to go about doing this rather than just hitting people on the street. For me, I guess I'm not really sure if this. A lot of these are cases for killing people, right? If you're, you know, if you want to make sure Richard Spencer not ever talks in front of a microphone again, you don't hit him in the face and then get him just swarmed in press coverage you kill him and then he can't say anything ever again right if you really want to terrorize white supremacists into not talking you kill him and you make a big message out of that yeah and i mean certainly if you're talking about how we're trying to win this war against white supremacists and stuff i mean wars aren't won with throwing punches right it's interesting Uh, that they always walk back from that though they're like no no beating people up is okay but not killing well and i i'm really glad they do Mm -hmm. i i'm not i'm absolutely not in favor of that i by no stretch of the imagination can i be reasonably interpreted as saying we should be out there killing them we absolutely should not be but it seems like all the arguments that you're making here apply more strongly to that case Unless you're just trying to scare them to going inside, but it's not like they lose internet access if they don't go outside, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do, like troll them? I mean, uh, that's not really going to stop them either, right? But having your life be uncomfortable enough that you are scared to go out of your house and go to the grocery store does suck, which is, I think, what their goal is. Okay. Thank you for stealing me that from me, because it wasn't clear to me at all what their end goal was, if it wasn't to, you know, silence them. Or I guess if it was to silence them, I wonder how you did that without killing them. But yeah, I I mean, that's not going to make them stop. They're still going to vote for assholes. They're still going to be greasing palms. They're going to be doing all their shady shit. They're going to just be, what, writing fewer articles? Which is also, I guess, somewhat advantageous. I don't know. No, I I mean... It's a sticky point, right? Maybe certainly the point where I talked about killing people. (laughs) I I don't know if that can be interpreted. I'm terrified of being quote mined there. (laughs) Did you have anything else to add on that one? Not on that one. All right. So we did have another write-in from, I don't know if we want to use people's names in write-ins or not, but... Let's just call him G. His first initial is G. Yeah. So G wrote in and basically made a defense of Richard Spencer, felt that we were a little unfair. More than a little unfair. He said, you were very unfair to Richard Spencer. Yeah. So this is a good point. Richard Spencer is not a Nazi and has never advocated violence against anyone. I will agree that he is not a Nazi in that he is not a part of the American Nazi Party. And he has said several times that neo-Nazis don't like him. I'm not sure about the not advocating violence, because while he has always been very careful to say publicly that he is for a, you know, for a peaceful um, what did he call it? Cleansing? Yeah, a peaceful ethnic cleansing and wants his political goals to be brought about in a peaceful method. Uh, that's kind of bullshit because at this point, nearly or close to one third of the U.S. population is a min- is minorities. You cannot peacefully deport 100 million people. <laughs> First of all, if you are forcing 100 million people to leave, you are stripping them of almost all their assets. Because when you, when the rest of the country knows that you have to leave, they can get your property for cheap. 
they know you aren't taking your house. They they know you aren't taking most of your stuff with you, and you have no chance but to sell it for pennies on the dollar. So it is a massive looting of that demographic. And second of all, they have homes. They have families. Where, where are we going to put them? You can't just ship them off to other countries. So if you try to make 100 million people leave, there will be violent resistance, as there should be. Well, and also, I mean, it, it's it, bullshit it also begs the question, too. Like, I mean, my family came over sometime before the Civil War. Parts of my family did. But there are definitely minority families in the United States who've been around the United States longer than that. Where do we send them to? Right. What is their appropriate homeland? Yeah. So, I mean, if it's not here, we, I it seems pretty arbitrary to draw the line anywhere else. And I'm pretty sure so, he wouldn't try to kick me out since I'm quite white and I come from Europe. But on the other hand, my parents moved here like in 84. They, they're they more recent immigrants than most of the people that he was targeting. And why am I not getting kicked out? I believe it's just because of the color of my skin. And just this peaceful repatriation. How are you peacefully going to get all those people leave? You can ask them to leave. 100 million people aren't going to leave. So the only way to get them to go would be to force them, which is violent. And that that's, that's exactly what I was going to say is that that seems like you've crossed the line from writing uh, an article for your shitty blog to advocating something like the Trail of Tears, right? Yeah. Where, again, so that's the thing is the immigration police come to your house and like, you know what? We want you out. Well, I don't want to leave. Okay, well, we're going to make you. And by make you, we're going, it's like at that stage, it's things are going to get violent, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, this seems like, this seems like a perfect analogy to what Not Without Incident was saying on Reddit that to, to the, to the Trail of Tears example. Or um, the Japanese internment. Yeah. Yes, it's not supposed to be violent. I mean, if you want to just leave your shit and come out quietly things don't have to get violent is really what it's saying but that's not really a peaceful solution right yeah. any any i think any altercation where you're telling people what to do at gunpoint isn't or i guess at the threat of gunpoint and then of course the ob- the obvious implication of of shooting your gun um that's not that can't, doesn't count as peaceful no. it, it maybe counts as non-deadly i i, I but... totally think it's it's a bullshit dodge to say i want this to happen peacefully and we should not allow them to get away with that yeah, we did acknowledge that the Is Black Genocide Right article wasn't written by Spencer, so I don't see how fair it is. Uh, well, I guess I'm, I'm. let me read this out of in context here. Mm-hmm. Uh, G went on to say, the old blog post you cited, quote, Is Black Genocide Right, unquote, was, as you correctly stated on the show, not written by Spencer, so I don't see how it is fair to associate Spencer with it, especially considering that he removed it from his site. I guess I don't know how long it was on there for, and th- like I said, I first heard of this guy the day after he got hit in the face, and I did a weekend's worth of, of quick research. So, I mean, if it was true that he went on there and he's like, I can't believe people publish it like this on my website. It's immediately gone. This, this user is banned. If that's what happened, cool. Props to him. I got the impression that that wasn't the sort of stance that he took on these things, but I could be wrong. You know, it's, it's, it's a tricky subject because he, no, I, I, was, I was perturbed when I saw people quoting that and attributing it to him because he didn't say it. And I dislike that it was associated with him so much because on the one hand, yeah, it was on his site. But on the other hand, no, he didn't write it. So how, at what point is is the fact that it was on his site a tacit endorsement by him? And how much can he divorce himself from that? I think it's enough, it's enough that I wouldn't use that as an argument against him personally. But when other people do, it's hard for me not to say I kind of see your point that he is at least not against this sort of thing. I, I agree. I mean, you know, if he went on to remove it and stuff, that, that seems to be some, some indication. But yeah. I, I dislike uh, that it's being used. And I think I, it shouldn't be used against him, basically. It's what i'm trying to say he said plenty bad things by himself that you don't need to quote mine someone he was associated with on his website that's what i was going to say is there's there's plenty of room to just find things that this guy said personally Mm -hmm. and i don't think he needs guilt by association unless that association is ironclad 
Mm. You know, if this was somebody that he pushed up or he paid him or something to, and he's, you know, help publish his shitty book or something like that's the kind of thing where we could say, look, he's helping this person. This person's bad, but that doesn't even, seem, that doesn't even seem to be how far this went. So I am curious as to what all our listeners think about when guilt by association is valid, because I do remember saying earlier that I would not sign with Castilia house to publish anything I were to write because of what a douchebag and somewhat racist their owner is. And, um, Vox day owns Castilia house. And Theodore Beale, I guess, is his real name. But he goes by, he writes by Vox Day Online. And he he is the same kind of, of I don't want to say white supremacist, but... Asshole. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty all-encompassing term. Yeah, he's, he's this sort of Richard Spencer type of person. And I would not want to be associated with him. So I would not sign with him. And it does make me wonder when someone signs with Castelia House, what exactly are they you know, are they okay with their name being associated with? That's important. I mean, I don't have a lot to add there other than that's a good query to put out there. So yeah. skipping the rest of this email is pretty long, but it, it, it was it was thoughtful and I appreciate... Ooh, I can mean, I go on and read more of it? Yeah. Oh, I'm not, I'm not done with it either. I just wanted to thank okay. uh, the author, uh, G, here that, I mean, clearly you, you disagreed with the way we approached it and felt that we weren't being fair enough, but you you responded to us in a very polite way and I appreciate you doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. you cited some stuff here. I, I, I'm not necessarily uh, moved by your arguments, but I appreciate the way you engaged them and... Uh, I think this is the way dialogue should go, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have just hit us. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, no, there there was there was some other stuff on here that, uh, yeah, by all means, go ahead and see what else was on there, Yash. So, this is, I'm approaching these in the order he wrote them. He said, I found it a bit odd that you objected to even considering genocide as a possibility. As rationalists, shouldn't you be willing to consider any idea? How do you know that genocide is wrong unless you consider it first? I would like to say that I am strongly against the death penalty, as we mentioned earlier. I have a blog called Death is Bad. I, in general, think death of any humans is a horrible thing, and I have thought about it extensively. So uh, when I don't consider genocide, it's because I consider the death of even one person to be an atrocity, and the death of an entire group is much more so. So yeah, as as rationalists, I do think that one of the things we try to do is to engage every idea thoughtfully. That's not to say that we have to spend a lot of time going over things that if we've decided that we don't like, it doesn't mean that we don't have to revisit them or that we're not compelled to address new arguments. But if you're against death in principle, and you've got solid reasons for that, then by extension, you're against death, genocide. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is there some plausible or is there some possible future or hypothetical where you might be in favor of it? Probably. I mean, if, if it's if it's invading aliens that turn out to be really easy to kill, but they're really bad. <laughs> sure. We can genocide the species if you know we like, lived in middle earth and orcs were literally just murder hobos that do nothing but but rape and kill then maybe it'd be okay but we're not these are humans right I mean, but the thing is, we have considered genocide. I mean, we've heard of it, at least. And there are very good reasons to not even bother bringing up that argument because it's so fucking stupid. Yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm at. I do see where you're where you're getting at. Like, shouldn't you engage this? Don't you claim to be a rationalist? And that uh, I think it's it's fair to say that the point has been engaged and summarily thrown out, right? Not necessarily like, oh, we just don't talk about that. That's on our sacred box of things we don't talk about. It's like, no, that's on our box of shit we've settled our minds on. Yeah. And if you're going to make a new case for genocide that's super compelling, I mean, I'd be curious in reading it just morbidly, <laughs> what, what could possibly be a compelling argument for Go, go ahead but, and send us an article. But I, I think the odds that I'll change my mind are pretty small. And that's not necessarily close-minded of me. Like, the odds of me changing my mind about uh, homeopathy working are also pretty small, mm-hmm. right? Or, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Bigfoot wandering around North America. Like, we would have found one by now. Now, if we did find one, that would cause me to change my mind. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between saying, like, I'm not interested in wasting my time, you know, flying out to the the woods of north you know of northwest america to go look for big feet big foots i don't know 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not close-minded to me to say, no, I'm not going to waste my time doing that because I, I don't think they're there. Close-minded to be saying, I'm going to shut out any and all possible evidence that you're bringing forward. I feel like that's a digression, but I'm trying to make the point that I feel like it's okay to dismiss the topic of genociding a certain group of humans, more or less without really spending a lot of time talking about it, in the same way that I'm not going to waste my time thinking about lots of other stupid propositions. If, if I see a proposition for a perpetual motion machine, anything that violates the law of conservation of energy, unless there is a number of really big Nobel laureates that have come out and endorsed <laughs> this, I'm not even going to bother looking at it. I'm like, this is a fundamental misunderstanding of how reality can work as far as we know it. I'm not even going to bother reading the first paragraph about your perpetual motion machine. I mean, that's that's how strongly I feel about, is genocide a good idea? Yeah, I, I, I almost feel like that was too much time to spend on it. Okay. Uh, so, I mean... So moving on then. Well, and that, that's just, I mean, how uncomfortable did that make everybody sitting there talking about why genocide's a bad idea? I think that if that's the kind of thing that you're on the fence about, you need to settle your moral framework pretty hard before you're ready to come out and, and, and talk about it. Is it not impossible? Sure. Like, you know, the orcs example is probably the most reasonable one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, since none of us are orcs, I don't think that it's really worth... And is this too is this too flippant? I, I feel like to engage it too much is to give it too much platform, but I, I mean, I, if see anyone where has, coming from? Yeah, I do see. If anyone has a really good case for genocide, I guess, shoot us something, but you probably will not get any traction with us. Yeah, don't anticipate that. But again, I, I don't think that's being, I don't think that's a flippant dismissal, but I don't really know what else to say. So let's just move on. Yeah. All right. This one I thought was very interesting. You claim that Spencer gave a Nazi salute at the NPI event, NPI being this event we've talked about that was captured on video. That is false. If you watch the video, you'll see that he's raising a glass, not saluting. And I was like, what? So I went back and I watched the video and I'll be damned. He was raising a glass and toast at the end. He did not actually give the Nazi salute. I saw a picture of somebody doing a Nazi salute though. Where'd there there were some people in the audience doing the Nazi salute, which again, we should go back to uh, uh, guilt by association. But I thought it was crazy how I had seen the video before. And in my memory, I remembered him giving the Nazi salute because I'd heard everywhere giving the Nazi salute in his speech. And it just, it, it, I had a mental image of him giving the Nazi salute. And then I went back and looked and no, there's a glass in his hand and he's clearly kind of toasting. And that, that was a crazy brain thing that made me be like, well, I, this is why we have evidence. And I'm glad we have a video recording of this. Right. Well, we had that friend post a Facebook post, you know, so, I forget what the context was, but it was like something alternate fact is true in the sense that like we grew up with the Berenstein Bears spelled the way that everyone thinks it was spelled, but it wasn't that where Nelson Mandela died in prison. All these things that like everyone thinks are true, but they're not. Yeah. This seems to be just one of those things where, yeah, I had the same thing that I thought that I saw this video. And that apparently that was in a genie movie. Right, right. So anyway, yeah, fair enough. So that maybe not sad. not on this not on this case. Maybe not on film. Was he giving a Nazi salute? So our bad. Some some people in his audience were giving the Nazi salute though. So I mean, again, guilt by association. I mean, it's not like not like he did it. So I mean, mm-hmm. but if you're in the room with people who are enthusiastically doing a Nazi salute, the guy who wrote in here seems to he's making the case that it might have been a tongue in cheek ironic spirit. But I don't know how you get that from the from the footage. Uh, and if, and if it is. Well, I, I mean, can, I can kind of see how it is because but that's a really uncom- like there, there's so much baggage with that gesture. There is that- a lot. But the OK, so as he pointed out, um, he said, well, let me read this real quick. I would also guess that those who did salute weren't even really Nazis, but were saluting in a tongue-in-cheek, ironic spirit. People in the alt-right are called Nazis all the time by the left, and some of them find it fun or funny to embrace the label rather than argue against it. Which I totally see, because every now and then you hear people saying that since I'm signed up for cryo, 
it is my own crazy religion and I am just as bad as the people who think that Jesus is going to rapture them or whatever. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, fine. It's my religion. This is my sacred burial rite when I die. I want my body to be frozen instead of buried and believe what you want because I don't really care. And it, I, I sort of see that point, especially if you're in a group that gets shit on constant. How many times have we been told that people on the right are Nazis? I've been hearing it since Reagan, that Reagan is a Nazi and the Republicans are Nazis. And I can see at some point people on the internet being like, you know what? Fuck you all. Fine. I'm a Nazi. Hail Hitler. You know, like in a sort of a, 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 a reverse trolling, ironic sort of way. And I can kind of see his point. But on the other hand, I don't want us to lull our way into Nazism. <laughs> because for every 10 people that are, are doing it ironically, there's at least one person who's like, yes, we should be killing the Jews. One, Hail Hitler. One of the people in the group doesn't know it's a joke, yes, right? So yeah. we can make up whatever percentage we think that is. I'm not really sure. But yeah, I think that that might be a, a reasonable concern that there's exactly some percentage of people that thought we were all joking, right? And then one person shows up with their backpack full of ammo and a couple of guns and like, wait, are we not really doing this? So Yeah, I think um, that's one of the reasons we don't uh, joke about things like that very much, the the, the Nazi thing. Because there, there are people who will take it a certain way. I would not be comfortable with that anyway. Even, even as a joke, I'd be like, guys, we're still joking, right? Yeah. I don't want to be the guy who realizes that like, oh, it turns out that now four-fifths of the people are Nazis and I was the only one who still thought it was a joke. Right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so that 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 is interesting, and that that was uh, it's an uncomfortable fact, but I'm all for putting the truth out there. Yeah. Spencer didn't salute at that that event, so or didn't Nazi salute at that event. So there it is. I keep thinking because you know I've been on panels at Denver Comic Con a number of years now, and some of them have been pretty large, like 400 people, right? And afterwards, after we're done, you know, having our talk for 48 minutes, and we close, and there's the applause. What if some of the people like gave me a Nazi salute from the audience? Like, what would I do at that point? I'm pretty sure I wouldn't shut down everything be like hey guys let's let's not do that after the talk's already over i don't know i could see you at least writing a blog post saying hey i saw this happen what the fuck was that was that yeah. some sort of uncomfortable joke let's not do that again yeah uh, or at least explain what you're coming from but if it is already like sort of an inside joke mm -hmm. i mean i if that's that might actually be true um it's an uncomfortable inside joke i, I mean maybe get a better sense of humor you know but... i know i did it a lot when i was a hardcore atheist when uh, i just nazi salute no not nazi salute god no when i had just come out as an atheist and uh, I know some people who are witches as well. And it's it's a thing that like, oh, yes, we, we worship Satan. Hail Satan. You know, let's go drink the blood of the babies tonight like we do every night. Oh, sure. Because yeah. you hear that from Christians a lot. If you're an atheist, it means you actually worship Satan. And just the, the you know, the neo-pagans nowadays or even the old school pagans who apparently have a beef with the neo-pagans, <laughs> which is interesting. But they will every now and brace and be like, yeah, no, I'm totally doing the baby eating tonight. That's what we witches do. And that seems a lot more funny from this side, you know? Yeah, I guess... I'm a big supporter of the Church of Satan. That said, if there was any reasonable concern that some percentage of atheists was actually eating babies, mm. it would stop being a funny joke to make. Yes, it would. So maybe that's where the line is. Like, I mean, if it's true that some of them are joking, that's fine, but this isn't the kind of thing that you should be complicit about. Yeah. And to the extent that anybody was not joking when they said, yes, atheists eat babies, um, or yes, we atheists eat babies. Oh, God. Uh, to the extent that someone might not have been kidding, then the whole thing stops being funny and the entire group should stop making that joke, right? Yeah. 
every now and then you do wonder about the guy who says that we should kill religious people. And I think that's why there's never any jokes about, ha ha, let's throw all the religious people in ovens, because that's, uh, that's a place we're not willing to go. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is the, are you talking about a specific guy or a hypothetical guy? No, but I mean, there, there was at least, uh, I remember some of the more virulent people in the forums I was on that was like, we really should just kill anyone who's seriously religious because there's no way to help them and they're bringing down all of the rest of humanity. Well, not to belabor too far in that rabbit hole, but like, you were seriously religious for a while. Mm-hmm. So, I mean good thing you weren't killed before you got a chance to change your mind right right so that seems like a great argument for not killing people before you try and talk to them yeah and, and, and probably after and certainly no one else made a joke about it right there was no haha yes let's give the whatever the equivalent of the atheist nazi salute is fair enough what well i guess we what we're here? saying is don't be given the nazi salute or people are going to think bad things about you and it'll be your own goddamn fault yeah i think that's a that's a fair takeaway i mean if you're if you're willing to just roll with that association well then you're willing to roll with being called a nazi and all the the nonsense that comes with it yeah but if you want to be taken more seriously you don't you don't make those kinds of jokes right yeah again i'm not convinced everyone who's doing that is joking right i think it would be an outlandish claim to say that literally everyone is joking right some of these people are seem quite earnest and you'd be you'd be playing mind reading games by saying no i actually think you're joking despite that you're telling me you're not right, right. so yeah forget that noise oh i was wrong it was g who who was trying to convince us that there's a lot more nazis than we think there are or a lot more alt-right people than we think there are oh it wasn't the last write-in yeah okay it says it's a movement that spread out across the country and indeed the world so the 350 people that could make it to dc for the conference isn't the best baseline you should consider the fact that white nationalist ideals are so persecuted by the mainstream culture that many adherents of the movement do not want to be seen supporting it publicly and consequently wouldn't go to a conference even if they could if we look at the web traffic and then he gave us the stats on how many people go to these websites so I guess it was uh, it was the pro-right guy who was trying to tell us there's more right people out there than we thought. And that's probably true. Or excuse me, that is true. That That's, in fact, who wrote that in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm sure that the, the alt-right community is bigger than these 300 people. I meant the people who were earnest enough about it to go to these conferences. Now, you're right. There are probably social disincentives from going. So maybe, maybe that number would have been 10 times bigger. I guess the point that I was making didn't really hinge on it being 300 or uh, 500. It was more like even if it's 3,000, even if it's 10 times people who went, or even, you know, even arguably 100 times people who went, we're still at like less than one percent of people yeah we're not looking at half of our neighbors right but once um, we start getting the thirty thousand, i would start to be a little bit worried same no i totally agree but i guess what i mean even like i said even if it did get all the way up to being you know three hundred thousand people that's it's still 0.1 percent yeah, yeah this isn't uh like you know it's not as mainstream as standard republicanism right mm-hmm. or conservatism mm-hmm. or republican ideologies there was uh one last thing here um that g wrote in was for a podcast that is ostensibly or ostensibly not about politics and meant to appeal to a wide audience, you do express your political opinions on the show quite frequently. As a conservative with moderately positive opinion of Trump, I often find it frustrating that a podcast which I otherwise enjoy so often drops in remarks which I consider horribly backwards without any discussion or consideration of other points of view. That's fair, and I really appreciate the way that you wrote that in rather than, you know, flaming and being irate or something. Especially like on leading up to the election, we were... I think much more guarded about being outspoken against the president and certain actions and, and factions and groups, you know, so like if, if we haven't made it clear ideologically, I want everyone to be able to talk and be comfortable around each other sharing ideas. Yeah. That this, this is what prevents punching. Yeah. Being able to have an open discourse. And th- exactly. And, but that doesn't mean that I don't have my opinions, you know, to the extent that G wrote in, to, to the extent that you're right wing, I'm left wing, right? Maybe probably even less. So I think I'm, I'm pretty moderate on, on a lot of things, but th- I think there's a difference between saying, you know, you have to agree with us or you're stupid and maybe we came off that way and if that's true that might not have been fair um, I, I would like to see you know if anyone or g specifically thinks that there's remarks that are 
literally horribly backwards and that we didn't give any discussion or consideration, write us in and let us know because I would be interested to know in what, what those points are and, and maybe mention them on, on our next listener feedback. Yeah, I mean, I'm idea fine with talking about that. I'm trying to think of anything right off that was horribly backwards. But I mean, uh, if we're super biased, we might not have caught it. So exactly. by all means, let, let us know. I, I don't want to be the asshole who's pissing people off. I mean, obviously, if if, if Spencer heard our last podcast, you know, he wouldn't be a fan of, of most of the things we said, or maybe not Spencer in particular, but some of the people in, in that camp. I'm not super concerned with being charitable or with those people coming away from the show and being, you know, happy having listened to it. But there there's a midline. I don't want to scare away half the population and make it seem like this show isn't safe for conservative minded people, or at least not fun to listen to so yeah. was that too i don't know no i think that was right on all right all i have left is one thing which is just a note to drop in it's not something we really have any or at least i don't have anything to comment on it peregrine took i think is the how you what how the name would be pronounced uh says since it came up in germany we have a criminal offense called volksverhetzung i think i'm glad pronounced. you tried reading that rather than me i <laughs> wasn't prepared to i mean it. i took a little <laughs> bit of german but it was a long time ago so i don't know if that's right Anyways, uh, it's basically a law against incitement. Roughly translated, the relevant part reads, anyone who, in a manner which is likely to disturb public peace, incites hatred against parts of the population or calls for violence or arbitrary action against them, attacks the human dignity of others by insulting, maliciously contempting, or slandering parts of the population, will be punished with imprisonment for three months to five years. Uh, there is a lighter sentence for those who only do so in writing, films, computer games, etc. Anyone who denies the Holocaust in Germany is guilty of this. And it is known over here and sometimes a cause for great indignation that no such law exists in the U.S. and anyone can say more or less anything. Generally, we do not understand why you don't just make it punishable by law to incite hatred against part of the people, especially if the way it is done is by telling lies or slandering the minority you want to incite hatred against. And I don't really have anything to say to that aside from I, I think that is an interesting law and I kind of like it, but it's good to have a, another opinion. Yeah, I mean, so a carefully crafted and extremely well... I mean, the problem with, I think, making certain forms of speech illegal, and so the the person who wrote in had expressed some frustration about, you know, or at least some confusion about why America is so gung-ho, you know, free speech no matter what... I mean, the same the same freedoms that allow people to say terrible things are the ones that allow people to say good things that no one wants to hear. The only thing that keeps the engine of progress moving forward is being able to talk about whatever idea it is. And if you put some things off the table, then those things will, A, never get moved forward. But, I mean, again, an anti-Holocaust law, it's hard to see how that's going to hurt things in particular. But that's a slippery slope to, like, anti-blasphemy laws or... Um, Les Majesté laws. Yeah, whatever, whatever other things that might have a bad impact down the road or plausibly could. So having a blanket thing of like, look, we're not going to say we can't talk about anything. Uh, having that base rule of, of just free speech around the board, I think that it's one of those things. This is actually one of the things that I might. This is probably a bigger topic. Maybe we can save it for later. But like, I'm I'm like utilitarian consequentialism, utilitarianism on the one hand, and free speech on the other. Like, I'm kind of even like if it's a case where look, some bad things might happen if you say this. I'm kind of in favor of like just keeping free speech around in general because the higher order effects are are more are, beneficial. Exactly. So like you know one one obvious thing you know like would be should I have the free speech to to burn a Quran knowing that you know. People will set embassies on fire around the world. I probably shouldn't because I know that'll happen. But to say that I, you know, I can't just because some people are going to be violently outraged by it. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
You can that, get violently outraged about anything. Exactly. People used to get violently outraged that a black person would date a white person. And if you're going to say, look, anything that has a violent con- consequence based off of your speech or your actions, that's going to leave anyone who's any any group of bullies who's ready to be violent, going to let them dictate whatever you can say and think or say and do, right? So free speech wins, I think, is, a, is an important axiom for just progressive society. Again, I'm not saying that there's no way that you can curtail certain corners of it. I, I personally do think that in general, the um, the laws again the laws um protecting free speech are great because they do help us get to the truth eventually but i'm such a big fan of truth and i really hate the propaganda lies that sometimes people spew out that uh i I am willing for there to be some laws about when if something can be proven to be malicious and just blatantly false that any reasonable person should have known better and not spread these things then yeah it's fine to haul them into jail as long as you know you can prove it in court because there's certain things that i think you're just as long as they're not illegal i'm going to uphold everyone's freedom to say whatever they want but uh there's some things that i think maybe could be pushed into the line of illegal and in that case we would have someone arrest them and take them to court rather than punching them in the street yeah sure i mean a really easy example would be like accusing the person who whatever didn't give you promotion accusing them of being a pedophile right you know that gets people out with pitchforks outside their house i mean i was exercising my free speech isn't a good response to that right you're you're lying to incite terrible consequences for this person hmm. so i mean don't let my my endorsement of free speech be taken to be to where you know you can say or do literally anything it i mean uh, I guess with with truth and honesty behind it, I'm, I'm a fan of free speech. But uh, it was interesting to get the perspective of someone who is living in Germany. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, I I, I think I, I can see why it would make sense for laws like that to exist in some parts of the world. Uh, even if I have mixed feelings about them, they make a lot of sense to me. So, well, this went on longer than we thought it was going to. Dope. Oh well. I hope we didn't bore anyone. If we did bore anyone, I uh, hope you didn't listen to it because you know you can always stop and fast forward or listen to something else, right? Yeah, this is this is on you if you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll see you all in a couple weeks. Thanks.